0: Yeah. Welcome to the middle-aged man podcast the only men's podcast that tries hard to act its age openly used just for men doesn't have a back catalogue of playboy and loaded magazines and yet we still want to be the best that we can be now today's question for you to meditate on is in 40 years what will people be nostalgic for yeah, there's a doozy. Right, today's guest is an expert clinical hyp- uh, hypnotherapist. I would have helped if I could have said that properly. Hypnotherapist and performance coach based both in Southampton and London's Harley Street. He specialises in working with a cross-section of society who genuinely wish to change aspects of their personal and professional lives. With a highly successful 27 years of military background in leading and managing people, Coupled with expertise and increasing training, effectiveness, he helps people succeed. He assists people to become the person that they desire to be, to discover or recover a normality of life, and to achieve their personal and professional goals. Gentlemen, I give you Dr. Ian Lightfoot. Hello, Ian. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing really well, thanks. Yeah, how are you?
0: I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you for doing this. It's really good. And it's... um, We we have such a selection of skills that we can draw upon when we're talking about middle-aged men, um, right about now. But before we came on air, we were briefly talking about um, obviously almost the performance aspect of things, Um, and we were asking where uh, I I was asking you sort of what you you really wanted to talk about and, and and the shift that you yourself have felt in perhaps the actual success has kind of changed just that little bit for for men of our age. Explain a little bit more about what uh, what you think about
1: that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, one of the challenges, uh, I think we all go through different stages of, uh, you know, in our life, our working life, our ambitions, where we want to get to, where we can see ourselves. Even if we don't have that as a solid goal, we kind of feel that we want to achieve and succeed and we're responsible for, for, for various things. And then you kind of reach a certain point and you look back and you go, did I really achieve what I wanted to set out to achieve? Is time running out? Am I going to achieve it? How do I feel about that? And, uh, you know, I went through that kind of change probably about eight years ago. And, um, you know, recently, I suppose, over the past three, I've, I've begun to reconcile that from, did I achieve what I wanted to achieve? And how do I feel? And, oh, no, actually, I feel really content where I am. And, I don't want those things that I wanted originally. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a big kind of transformation recently for me. Yeah, a lot of reflection.
0: Is that because is that because society has changed or you've changed?
1: I don't think society has changed. Um, I believe that society is driven even more. Um, you know, when we were um, much younger than we were today, we didn't have social media, we didn't have influences. But now I think that the younger generations, you know, they get this message transmitted to them constantly, you know, you've got to look like this, you've got to have these items, you've got to have this material, you've got to have these followers, you've got to push the boundaries of content. And I think there's an inherent pressure on um, the younger generations to achieve more or to be seen as more successful or better or have more, whether's we've kind of had that internal goal and we arrive at a place and then you go, ah, have I or haven't I, and how I feel about how do I feel about this?
0: Yeah, I mean it's really interesting. I had a phone call with um with a with a friend this morning, um and obviously I'm going. You know, uh, listeners to this and people that know me will will understand that part of this podcast is my journey as well, and uh, you know I'm yep. going on a on a, a bit of a rocky ride at the moment. Um, and actually, what, what they said was that, that um, what interested me was that I was probably too honest on my social media okay. to the point where, you know, um, they almost wanted me to put lies out there. They almost wanted me to sort of like say, look, you know, don't don't look as affected as you are, even though this has been a big event in your life you know don't look yeah. as effective put something positive out there because people prefer to look at positivity rather than oh, not necessarily feeling sorry for yourself but it's a case of you know putting out there how you really feel and i just find that, that that's sure. that's interesting is because I, I find i'm find i found like there's almost like a shift where we have been accused for so many years of not being honest with our feelings and not being honest yeah. with our emotions and what's going on in our life that actually when you do do it, people are going, oh, actually, that's a bit too honest. Does that make sense?
1: It, no, it really does. I think that that's has got to be, I suppose, in the, the coaching, they would come back and say, you know, what is it that you want to portray? What's important to you? Are you trying to be authentic? Are you trying to grow a fellowship? Is it monetary? Is it material? Is it, you know, what message are you trying to put out? And if you're wanting to be authentic, then actually saying how you feel is probably okay. It's, it's a question back to you, really, I suppose.
0: No, it's, it's a great question. At least it's almost like a therapy session, now, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, what, but what's interesting is, and again, I, I, I fired back um, uh, another question, really, is that what if you don't know who your authentic self is? And, and that almost like lapses into what we were talking about social media there is the fact that, you know, there are, there are people out there that take photos, edit, edit them to crap, um, and then put themselves on yep. dating sites. And, um, you know, when they turn up, they look, you know, like six foot shorter. Um, and you know, they've got a great big beer belly, um, that type of thing, but uh, that's an extreme, obviously, but what it what is an authentic self? Because sometimes you you, you 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 don't know it changes. And so for me in my, in my, in my old business, what I was finding was yeah. that I had a partner who was telling me to be my authentic self, who was telling me to be more like I was at home. And then as soon sure. as I was more like I was at home, guess what? People stopped watching the videos. People stopped listening to whatever I had to say because they were going, well, that's not the guy we thought he was. And so, yeah. all of a sudden, there is a real. There is a you, you end up with this really difficult balance of knowing who the authentic person is, and because we've been through so much, and we've, you know, like in the in the title of these uh, of these podcasts, you know, I say that we've probably been through more technical, technological, and social changes probably in the last twenty years than I think at any other time in history, and it's almost like, well, we, we, you know, we're running to stand still. Does that make sense?
1: It, it absolutely does, and I don't think we know quite how to cope with technology yet. It's growing exponentially, certainly with the next generation of AI. Um, who are we? Um, who are we authentic? Uh, who do we want to be? And I, I, again, it's got to go back to that question of what do we want from life? You know, are we trying to build success? Is success our main driver? If we want success, unless we achieve it, are we setting ourselves up for? Um, emotional heartache further down the road Um, if we are just being ourselves hey why does it matter you lose a few followers because you give them a message that maybe they don't want at the time but maybe that's fine for you what are you trying to and and it's what what am I trying to get out of it and who do I want to be And, and I suppose you can only go through that from a period of reflection and if you don't know it's okay not to know it's okay to just live in the moment don't try and future forecast it and go, This is who I want to be, or this is who I've been in the past, so I can't be that person again, or I'm confused about my place in society. It just doesn't matter. It's just be who you're be who you are in the moment and be content with that person. And if I can't be content, then what do I need to do to be content with who I am? Or and there's a lot of people there to help you. You know, you can talk it through with people. You're not on your own. And I think that's quite a, a strong message as well. There's always people to help you talk it through that don't have an agenda or yeah. their own personal agenda.
0: You see, uh, you know, yes, there are th- yeah, uh, therapists and, um, and, uh, and counselors and, and, and people like that. And I, I totally get that. What was um, really interesting in the last episode is that. Uh, Rich Whitman brought up the fact that he didn't think there were the communities of men like there used to be that would support men in the same way that perhaps our fathers were supported and our grandfathers were supported. Do you think there's any merit in that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we're all social beings, and um, men are a, a, a different breed to ladies. And um, whatever community that they used to be part of, men used to be part of, whether it was the um, military service, whether it was the British Legion afterwards, whether it was just the sun, the uh, pub on a Sunday before the dinner, um, social clubs, working men's clubs, etc., or even just being at work. Um, yeah, the the social aspect of men's lives and daily lives, actually, I mean, I kind of hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned there but it's been significantly diluted. Um, Do the opportunities still exist? Yes. But does it fit in with society? And I'm not entirely sure that's, that, that's, that's true today.
0: I see. That's good, that's, that's, that's good. I I appreciate that. I I, I think, I think you're right. I think the opportunity is still there, but it's diluted so much that perhaps it's not quite how we envisage it. I think quite right. Okay. Um, so leadership, let's talk about leadership. Leadership has, um, leadership has changed. I would suggest men in the last 10, 15 years. um, What's your view on how leadership has changed and how it's potentially going to evolve even further?
1: I think it's evolved not because of of, for any reason about men or any men's issues. I think that leadership has changed because of, again, society, because of education, actually, and and maybe because of people's expectations. I certainly found um, in the military that once upon a time, you were able to just explain this is what I want doing, whether it's, you could discuss whether that was leadership or not, I suppose, but invariably managers, people in senior positions, could just suggest this is what I need doing, and I don't want any, um, there's no discussion, we just get it done, and it was just achieved. Um, Today, you know, people, and I suppose rightly so, people can't just be told this is what I want done. Um, People want greater direction i find i think people want greater help in finding a solution they're probably a little bit more fragile um but actually they don't want the robustness of the past which is fine so i think in some ways we have learned to respect people more which is a great thing but the on the other side I believe that people need more guidance and assistance and support in achieving what they need to achieve. And has that come from the education system? Maybe, um, is it a response to change in society? Um, yeah, I, I probably believe it is. Um, and I, I think in a whole, it can be a good thing. Um, it's a tough, it's always tough, isn't it? You're working with individuals. Um, it's a more diverse workplace, rightly so, and um, the different people nowadays with with different.
0: Do you think? Do you think that there is a there's a shot at the fact that um, if you go back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I mean, probably you know I'm as much to blame as anybody else, having written you know, three books himself, and you know then burnt out one particular business, but. Um, do you think there's a shot at the pit, some of the people that wrote leadership books where they became that little bit, I want to say flowery, it's, not, it's probably not the right word, but it's almost like, you know, you, you start bordering on woo-woo and rather than looking at the, a gradual build of core competencies and, and skill levels. And it's, it's interesting you've mentioned schools, is that? You know, um, I think that some th- you know, things that are taught in school now shouldn't be taught. I think there are some utterly pointless things that are taught in school, um, and there are some more. There are some more skills that should be should be taught. You know, money matters is really good. Mental health is you know, it, you know more of that. Um, life skills should be continue to be taught, um, but almost like. We've got generation after generation after generation after generation because things are changing so quickly. Do you think those books yeah. originally almost changed it too quick to the point where, well, look, this is not not this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we've always done it, and it's evolving slowly. But we want to take it to over here. We want to push this dial so far in the opposite direction that this is a new amazing way of doing things. And actually, <laughs> there's a, there's almost like become a huge gap in the middle. From where we used how we used to do it to how we're trying to do it now.
1: I I think I think you've just ignited the academic in me because <laughs> um, I see yeah know old books, all information is is valuable, isn't it? And yeah. um, I think history, books are written predominantly with either the past drawing on information from the past and maybe suggesting how things are in the here and now. And, um, and so books are very much a a snapshot of, of where we are currently. And then people take that information and they continue to develop it. Um, has anybody written a really, a great forecast of how things are, you know, I suppose, taken outside 1984, maybe, but, um,
0: I mean, Nostrad- Have, has, Nostradamus, you sort of like, you know, take a little bit with a pinch of salt, but you never know.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think all... I, I don't think it's the fault of the books or the authors. I think they were writing about how things are currently and then it's up to other people to take on the battle, uh, the, the baton, as it were. I think there's a greater amount of variables, a great amount of influences on leaders and managers and people, um, society, greater societal change. I mean... Uh, How would you, I mean, you've got to look, I suppose, at the, the, the greater global conditions so, from the turn of the century in the Victorian era, and then you have the um, Industrial Revolution. You've got two world wars. You've got an amazing change of, in terms of women and the vote, and then you've got personnel departments. You've got unions. Um, you look back to the the strikes and how cars were produced in, in the UK, and, and how money was transferred, and all the different class systems. And then you arrive at a point today. Um, Society is ch- is challenged and influenced by a greater number of influences and variables, and people respond as a result to those. So it's not the fault of books; it's the fault of society. So if you want to understand how leadership's changed, you have to look at the key events in society and then understand how people have changed as a response to that.
0: Okay. Okay. So earlier on the interview, sort of like you've, you've, you've been sort of like reflecting and. Recognising that you, you know, perhaps aren't where you, you thought you were going to be, but you're in a, in a far better place. So, I'm asking, every, I'm asking everybody this question. So, don't, be, don't yeah. be offended. So, as we've as we are approaching the second half of our lives, what are you going to do that was going to make your life that little bit more meaningful?
1: Well, I made that decision. Um, you know, I had a, I believe, I had a successful military career. Um, I probably left at a time where my, the direction of my life had changed. I could have stayed in, I could have probably been promoted, um, higher doing the same type of work. Um, instead I left to do, um, you you know, a PhD and to go into therapy. I mean, I thought originally I was going to be a coach Mm because that's what I was doing in the Navy. Towards the end, I was coaching daily and I was helping with performance and leadership. then I discovered hypnotherapy and I realized that, hey, there's this tool that's available to me and people can change their lives almost miraculously. And once I realized the importance and my desire to assist other people was stronger than the personal desire to achieve materialistically, um, there was no turning back. And so... How have I changed my life from expecting success, materialism, wanting more, bigger, better, shinier, the next thing? It's simply by helping other people and realizing that I'm really content in my place in life. And by helping other people, it gives me something that I've never really um, experienced truly before before. Um, and I, I, it's a cliche, but giving is, is, you know, giving to other people is more important than receiving, or it is for me anyway, and doing good in the world. Um, so that's how it's changed.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, let's go back a little bit back in time. When was the last time that life made you feel a little bit trapped? And how did you get through it?
1: Wow. Uh, when did life make me feel trapped? The
0: reason I asked the, the reason I asked this question, because mm. it is quite a deep question. So I'll give you a few seconds to think about it, sorry. Um, is that obviously there there are times where I think we probably all, all have got, gotten to an age where we felt trapped. We've made some bloody awful mistakes. You know, um, you know, currently the host of this podcast has made some terrible mistakes in the last sort of ten months. Um, and deeply wishes he could go back in the TARDIS and go and change them all. Um and it's one of those things is that I, I, I find it interesting that when I've spoken to friends, um, they've sort of like said, well, you know, what I would have done is this, I would have done this, is that. And it's just that we all have life experience. And strangely, whilst we're all individuals, everybody can learn something from everybody. And this is why I ask yeah. this question. So what what in your life made you feel trapped and how did you get through it?
1: Do you know? I I think the only time that I can reflect on that I felt crapped, was making a decision, uh, making the decision on whether I was going to stay in the military or whether I was going to leave. Um, it, it was a big thing. I'd, I'd been. I think I started off as a seadet at the age of twelve, and and so all my work in life had been in the navy, in the Royal Navy, and I didn't quite know should I stay, should I go the sense of duty and loyalty and um, doing something, serving my country. This is the only thing I've ever known. I'm good at my job, so why am I leaving? I'm compensated in terms of financially fairly well for this. Um, There's still a lot of opportunity here. Or do I step out into the unknown and and what's pulling me out into the unknown? And, And I think then I felt quite trapped in not knowing what to do. And should I stay, should I go? Um, what are the forces pulling me out, what are the are there any forces, forces pushing me out, and what are those restraining forces. And that was quite a period. It was a real difficult um, 12, 12, maybe a few months more, 12, 14 months period. It was quite agonizing. Um, I think in the end, I realized that there was no right or wrong decision. Mm-hmm. If I'd have carried on, I'm sure I would have been happier. I'd have made the most of what I had. In fact, no, I probably wouldn't have been happier actually, because I would have been stuck as who I was, always looking for the next thing or the next promotion, the next pay scale, the next exercise, the next refit, the next job turnaround. And you're always looking for key events and you're always working towards key events. Where there's now, um, and and when I left, it was a little bit, there was a little bit of turmoil when I left, I suppose, uh, emotionally to get used to being, working in the civilian environment. But I realise now I'm working much more on a, Um, on a daily basis. I'm living in the moment. Yes, forecasting and planning for the future. um, And fortunately, my wife's very, very good at planning for the future. (laughs) But staying grounded and living in the here and now and just taking each day as it comes and enjoying the day. Um, So I think that's the the transformation.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, A random question before I ask the last one. Um, Obviously, you you you, you, you say that hypnosis is... Is in your it's in your armory of things uh, to do? And I asked this question actually on Twitter the other day, and I got very little back, probably because everybody was asleep. Um, <laughs> okay. Is it possible to hypnotise everybody? Because I have been from, from this is like a very personal thing for me. I have done hypnosis sessions, okay. and they just didn't work. I just felt I wasn't even having a doze. I was just you yeah. know it was I was just. I was constantly aware of what was going on and it was sure. like mm, okay and obviously I, I don't mean the type of hypnosis that would make you bark like a chicken and you know uh, and run around like a zebra none of that sort of stuff but is it is it possible to actually hypnotize everybody or is there are there some superheroes like myself that apparently can't do that
1: I think there's a number of things that influence whether a state of hypnosis will happen at a particular time everybody can achieve hypnosis. Um, and I'll give you the, the, the typical example I will give to other people. Imagine you start watching your favourite sport, F1, rugby, cricket, football, and you're so intensely focused on that moment. There's, I don't know, Lewis Hamilton's just about to overtake Max Verstappen. Um, I don't know, England are just coming towards the, the main box or uh, they're just about to take a swing on the bat. And you're so engrossed, you kind of lose focus on everything else that's going on around you. You're aware of it, but it's almost a dream-like. You're so in the moment, and things happen. The doorbell may go, text message comes, somebody comes in. Uh, you know, would you like a cup of tea or, or, or something? Like that. And you just you're aware it's there in the background, but you just kind of miss it. And that's a very similar kind of that. That's similar to how hypnosis happens. So everybody can achieve hypnosis naturally do you want to in the moment? And and that's a, a bigger question. I would say probably that 95% of people you can achieve hypnosis at the moment. It's a really big thing to ask somebody to come into a room to talk personally and openly about your problems and, and um, challenges in life and then to sit there with your eyes shut in front of somebody feeling quite vulnerable. And hypnosis Never really, sometimes it meets people's expectations, sometimes it doesn't, because you don't actually go into a sleep. You don't drift off anywhere. Your mind can drift and wander, so you can have a daydream and then you can come back. But you can be in hypnosis and, and be very quite present. Um, deep hypnosis, generally people remember less lighter states of hypnosis people generally remember more but there are other symptoms as well which your hypnotherapist know, the may have asked you you know did you get time distortion were there any images color shapes patterns was there any heaviness um what was it did you have any of your own thoughts that type of thing
0: right okay see i told you it was completely personal but it was there that's probably the best answer i've ever heard thank you uh, <laughs> right um so i uh, mm-hmm. always like to do this question from a previous guest to you um, yeah, all right, okay. Yeah, if there was one thing that you could have told yourself in your late 20s apart from buy Apple shares. <coughs> yeah, yeah. What would it have been and why?
1: It, yeah, it would have absolutely been, do you know what? Uh, and and we always get told this, life is so short. It really is. Where did time go? But I think it's live more in the moment. Stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after or when you get promoted or when you get more money. Stop seeking the next thing and just live in the moment every single day. Become really interested in something and study it because you want to and because you're excited by it. But live in the moment and just enjoy each day as it goes by. Don't worry about tomorrow it's there's there's no point
0: (laughs) brilliant brilliant lovely answer fantastic a lovely way to finish off the podcast a big huge thanks to ian for sharing his life his story and his thoughts and if you like the podcast do us a favor like, share and subscribe, review the podcast and you'll be in with a shout of winning a £50 Amazon voucher that, well you can whiten your teeth with or spend on some Just For Men but we'll be back next week and I will see you very soon, much love, be brilliant